Hello, everyone. This is Ron Bush with Ron Bush Consulting, and you're listening to the Information Playground. I want to invite you to, uh, to tune in to WVLP. That's a, a small radio station, a not-for-profit radio station located in Valparaiso, Indiana. They're a great community station that gives back to the community, and I hope you, uh, you check them out on their website. That's WVLP.org. Uh, it's a, it's an excellent radio station. It's 103.1 on the FM dial if you're local. If you're not, stream us from there. We're on Mondays from 8 to 9 a.m., Fridays from 1 to 2 p.m. And uh, I hope you just check out the website. There's a way for you to become involved in the, in the radio station as well as in the community. It's a great opportunity for you. On the, on the other hand, if you can't catch us at those times or you want to re-listen to the show, you can find us on demand on any of the podcast platforms that I'm familiar with, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and six or seven others. Um, look for us under The Information Playground. It seems to be a popular uh, choice of words, so don't forget the article, the definite article, The, and don't leave out uh, information or playground. Uh, you'll find up wind up with something else you can find us on podcast you can also find us on youtube under the same channel name the information playground so thanks for being with us today i want to uh, welcome my good friend danny mcguire good morning danny good morning ron danny is the uh, program director for public safety management and public safety administration at calumet college of st joseph it's a pleasure to have you on uh, on with us this morning and uh, I'm looking forward to getting to talk to you about all that you do. So if you would, before we get to, too deep in the conversation, tell the folks a little bit about yourself, uh, who, you, who you are, and uh, how you came to be where you are. Great. First of all, thanks, Ron, for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, this is great. Um, my, my name is Danny McGuire, Jr., I'm a second-generation law enforcement professional. Um, I spent over 20 years in law enforcement. Uh, during that time, I was able to educate myself, go back to school. Uh, I'm an alum of Calumet College. Um, at the time, we called it law enforcement management. Now it's called public safety management. Um, so I'm law enforcement and management, bachelor's of science. Um, went on to get a master's in counseling psychology uh, from the Adler School of Professional Psychology, now known as Adler University, and then a doctorate of education, emphasis, ethical leadership from um, uh, Olivet Nazarene University in Bourbon A. Um, uh, I left the job in, in uh, 2012 uh, due to an injury. Um, during that time, I had, once I received my first master's degree, I started teaching at Calumet College in the undergraduate program. Um, so I've been teaching there for about 14, 15 years now um, and took the full-time job in 2018 um, as the director of the program. And I'm also the department chair of criminal justice. Um, during my time off the job, I went and received, earned two more master's degrees, uh, one in public administration from Clemson University and then a uh, uh, a degree, uh, a master or a master's of science in foods and nutrition from the University of Georgia. So, um, and now I'm now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So you are a program director of one and a program chair of another. Tell us a little bit about those two programs. Okay. Um, so public safety management, the undergrad in public safety administration, the graduate degree, um, are accelerated formats, um, and they're created for public safety professionals, law enforcement, firefighters, emergency services. Um, and so they can go to school um, uh, knowing their schedule is very hectic um, in a mirrored format. So they can go in the morning or at night during their day. They go one day a week. And in about two years, they pump out with a, a bachelor's uh, degree or master's degree. Many of them go on to the master's after the bachelor's. And um, the traditional criminal justice program is set up for traditional students who are on campus, you know, your average traditional student that uh, goes back to, you know, college after high school. Some, we do have some adult learners in the program, but the two programs are um, a little different in, in the way they're just delivered. That's really it. Okay. Okay. So um, who would, who would be your, your normal student? Would it all always be first responders or are, are there other traditional students that just come you know, out of high school looking for a bachelor degree that gets steered your way? Or how would folks know about your program and what do they hope to get out of it when they graduate from it? 
One, um, so since I've, I've taken the program, we have had traditional students go into the public safety management or public safety administration master's degree. Prior to that, it was kind of strictly set up for um, your emergency first responders. We have you know, had some traditional students jump in. <clears throat> we also have some traditional students who are athletes that need eligibility, you know, a class for eligibility, they'll jump in and take a class or two in our program. Um, so the, the average, if you look at my program, just my program, the public safety program, the average student is probably a you know, police officer, uh, somebody who works in emergency services, probably full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're somewhere between anywhere between five years on the job and some people have 25 years on the job. Um, I did a survey, interestingly enough, Ron, I did a survey years ago uh, where I asked them, well, why, why are you going back to school? You know, as a psychology guy, I'm, I'm always wondering why, you know, like, why are they doing the, what they're doing or why are they thinking this way? So um, one, of the, one of the questions I asked is why? And the top three choices were this, to be promoted, within my department to move up the ladder in my department to show prove something to my family um and when i asked for you know some uh, some you know like give me some background on that what, what does that mean you know to prove something to your family well i have a son who doesn't know if he wants to go to college or a daughter and they're struggling with the choice to go to college so i wanted to show them that college is important so i went back to school wow i'm like wow that's pretty cool and the number three choice was when i retire i want to do something else you know i plan on retiring early um, and, and, you know, with law enforcement now, uh, the trend is people are retiring early. Some people are retiring before they can even collect a pension. Um, and they're, they're leaving the job at, at, a, at a rapid rate. When I first came on the job in 1992, <laughs> you know, I was working with uh, police officers that had, you know, 40 years on the job. You know, and there was no retirement days on the Chicago Police Department. There was an individual, I remember we'd see him for coffee downtown sometimes. And, you know, he was like 68 years old and he had like 42 years on the police department, 43 years. But now people tend to be leaving early. So that's like their third priority is when I leave here, I want to do something else. But um, you would find the program. You could go to www.ccsj.edu. Um, Calumet College of St. Joseph, their website, you could look, you know, for public safety uh, management, public safety administration. And for traditional students, you, you'd go to the same place, you might just end up in the criminal justice program. Um, our departments work well together. Um, so it's kind of a hand in hand. Some of my faculty teach in the undergraduate traditional criminal justice program, which really helps you know, younger people who are interested in a job in public safety, particularly law enforcement, you have somebody who might have 20 years of service and that experience. So the real unique thing about the public safety programs and the criminal justice programs are this. You have people from the field who have maybe had experience with the theories you're learning in a book, putting them in practice and can tell you what works, what doesn't work. So that experience element, right, is really important. So that's one of our strengths, I believe, in, in both of the programs um, is the faculty. Excellent. Excellent. And a lot of your faculty are prior uh, police officers. Uh, it, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe uh, fire firefighters as well. We we have uh, an array of public safety professionals, mostly our law enforcement, and most of them are current law enforcement. There's only there's only a few in our programs that are um, retired uh, uh, you know, or, or, you know, whatever their status is, but most of them are current in the field, police officers teaching, um, and in a traditional criminal justice program, you have attorneys teaching, um, law enforcement professionals, you have people, um, with backgrounds such as yours in the cyber world teaching, you have, you have an array of people teaching, but all of them have experience in their fields, which makes them very valuable. Excellent, excellent. Well, so you you said something earlier that I want to uh, I want to dive into a little a little more. Mm-hmm. That is that that you find police officers are not staying with the job as long as they used to. Now, of course, the, I think the day when most people work at the same place all their life and then retire, that's pretty much behind us. I won't say it never happens, but it certainly isn't the norm. It's uh, it's the exception. But we live in a time where we 
we've gone through defund the police uh, um, to be sure there's been some issues and those have been highlighted, I believe in the press uh, to the, <laughs> to the uh, uh, exclusion of all of the guys that do a great job uh, and risk their lives day after day. You and I have talked about this and you've brought up some excellent points. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the guy who, who uh, or the gal who, who decides, you know, um, I really want to do something else. I go out and risk my life. Before we go there, let's talk about the person that does risk their life. Let's talk about that because you know that person very well. You've been that person, but you, you work with those folks every day. They go out and risk their lives, whether it is fighting fires or it's, uh, it's fighting bad guys, um, defending the, the innocent, if you will. Well, you know, this it's a great dialogue, Ron, first of all, because I think, you know, we believe what we see on, you know, on TV quite often. And sometimes it's not 100% of the facts. Um, So in my career, if I if I may, you know, my career was spent, I, I became a police officer 21 years old. You know, when you when in Illinois, that's the minimum age. And I started a narcotics task force called the South Suburban Drug Initiative. And I worked undercover as an undercover police officer buying drugs undercover um, in the south suburbs of, of Cook County. Um, and then at 25 years old, after four years of that experience, I went to Chicago Police Department. My father was a Chicago police officer. Um, and my father spent over 47 years in service combined between Cook County, Chicago, and the federal government. So he was a bomb tech, Vietnam veteran, um, and he was my hero. So while other kids were admiring, you know, athletes and musicians and things, I was always looking up to dad, like, I want to be more like this guy. Um, so, you know, that, that's what drove me. And then I spent several years in the Chicago Police Department. And at that time, I was a member of Special Operations Section, which I became a member of the HBT team. So I did, you know, HBT. Now they call it SWAT on Chicago, but at the time we called it Hostage Barricade Terrorist Team, right? Oh, okay. And, you know, I was a sniper. I was a sort car, which is a heavy weapons car that drives around the city waiting for these active shooter events. So I'm explaining this because I, I have some, you know, I've been hit with the frying pan, right? I faced <laughs> life and death situations before, right? Yeah. And then later on became a sergeant and worked in patrol in one of the busiest districts in the city where, you know, we were getting 300 calls for service on a Wednesday. Mm. You know, at one in the morning, there's 300 calls for service waiting. And they weren't like... Um, you know, uh, there, there, you know, a tree fell down. So someone's got a direct traffic. There were person shot, person stabbed, domestic disturbance. I mean, these were waiting for, cause we didn't have enough manpower, you know, or personnel, you know? Um, and then after that short time, I went back to the SWAT team as now they called it SWAT. And it was uh, in a support capacity where I handle weapons of mass destruction, uh, training and, 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 you know, equipment and things like that. Um, more in a support capacity and eventually became the chief hostage negotiator for the SWAT team because of my psychology background and education. With that said, the experience is there. So I can speak to this, right? What I don't like in this world or what I shouldn't say I don't like, it's a bad choice of words. What really kind of gets under my skin is when someone has zero perspective and they're trying to lend perspective to a situation where they have none. Right. Like, you're going to try to explain to me, you've never been hit with a frying pan. You're going to try to tell me how it feels to be hit with a frying pan. You have not. So I can lend some experience to this. And being around police officers and teaching them all the time, and also uh, one of the things I, I try to do on the side is mental health therapy. My first degree is in counseling, my first master's. So I've, I've had a chance to be an intern at a place that services all first responders. And um, I had several clients that I dealt with and did wellness checks. And... It goes from like, I love this job to I want to buy a 2000 acres in Montana and never see a human being again. Right. Because of my experience, um, because they've been hit in the head with the you know proverbial frying pan over and over again. So I think what's happening is from a standpoint of looking at it, like, why are people thinking this way? And then asking the questions in therapeutic settings or just having a conversation with a student at two in the morning who calls my cell phone and says, can I talk to you, doc? Can I talk to you? I need someone to talk to. 
absolutely you could talk to me. Yes, I was in the middle of a slumber, you know, and just this, just deep sleep and eye movements probably, and you woke me up, but it's important to me to listen to you. So they'll call me and say, I, I'm just done here. And I'll say, well, why are you done? Because they had an experience. Police officers are coming to everyone at their negative time. Yeah. Police officers are not getting called in the city of Chicago or, you know, major, even suburban areas these days. They're not being called to, you know, hey, come to my backyard barbecue and have some barbecue with my friends and tell my friends and family what a great, you know, what a great person you are. They're being called because somebody's cousin stabbed somebody over something in the backyard. So you're coming in the worst possible scenario. You see people with their worst and it's a highly negative environment from the time you get in that car to the time you go home. And then you're supposed to go home to your family, flip a switch and be dad or partner or whoever you are in someone else's life. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult thing to do. You know, there's people I know in this world that can't, you know, they get no on a sales call and they're ruined for the day. I have to take the rest of the day off. I can't even yeah. function. I yeah. just saw I just saw a child with their head removed because their father killed them. Yeah. Now I'm supposed to go back and answer 18 other calls tonight. That's just how it works. Yeah. So police officers are in these horrible situations on a daily basis. They're when they stop somebody to give them a ticket because they bro- the person made the choice to break the law. You know, when the person pulls them over, they're mad at the police officer. Why are you pull me over? You know, or they're videotaping, you know, or I'm saying videotape that day, I'm showing you my age, Ron, right? They're, they're you know, uh, you know, they're, they're doing the, uh, the recording on the, on the iPhone or whatever. Right. And, and the police officer is just doing his or her job. Yeah. You know, you, the law is stated. You learn this in driver's ed, you know, you cannot drive through a red light. You know, if the sign says 30 miles per hour, you can't go 50. So you have made that choice. So now the police officer pulls you over because that's his or her job. And they say, you know why I stopped you? And they give, you know, you're giving a police officer an attitude. People are frustrated with that. Plus, I believe that social media has made it different because, you know, as I tell police officers all the time, in 1992, they hated us too, right? They yelled at us too. They, they'd spit on us too. They did the same thing. It's just not on hyperblast where you click on a button and it's on social media now. Yeah. And you're only seeing two minutes of an event that lasted 20. Right. Right. You know, it, 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 the thought occurs to me, uh, whether we're talking TV, you know, television, movies, um, all, all of the media that we, that we watch day in and day out, whether it's YouTube or, or whatever it is, it's all, it's the best teaching platform ever invented. I mean, books are great, and they were a great alternative to oral teaching, but nothing holds a candle to watching something in a video, which is what we'd call it today. A show is what we used to call it, or a movie is what we used to call it. Nothing compares to that. You're watching a human being often in, your, in, the, in the quiet, in the, the privacy of your own home. Maybe you'd never let them into your home, you know, knowledgeably. Right. But you're watching people do bad things all day long. And and, you know, they don't make stories. Sometimes they do make happy endings, but there's always got to be some tension in it. And the tension is almost always someone of authority, cop, uh, government agent, employee, whether it's FBI, CIA, doesn't matter. Uh, uh, Someone that you would normally expect to be a good guy they show them as a bad guy. This is the one gone bad. Well, if that's all you see, pretty soon it becomes the norm. Pretty Mm -hmm. soon what you expect is the guy that ought to be the good guy. Well, he's really the bad guy. You can't trust him. You, you, you can't do anything. So when he pulls you over, what do you think? You think, Oh, he's just after me. Does it matter that you're three sheets in the, you know, to the wind, Right. Uh, you, you, you've had 12 beers and you're weaving all over the place. Um, and you almost, maybe you did sideswipe a car. You almost hit a pedestrian. The guy pulls you over. What are you pulling me over for? You know, that doesn't matter. You've got all this stuff that, that you've filled your head with. It, it amazes me that people respond to the stuff they should know is fiction they respond to that as though it's fact. And people do that every day with junk they read off the internet, uh, with junk that they watch on the internet. 
I mean, it's just where people are at. We've got decades of this stuff that have just built up. Um, it makes me wonder where on earth we're going to go with this stuff. How do you get people to risk their lives every day and deal with the stuff that you've just itemized? I, I can't imagine looking at a, a, a either in real life or a picture of a kid with his head cut off because his father went nuts, drugs, whatever the case might be. And now I've got to deal with that and then pick up the phone and deal with, hi, there's a, my cat stuck up in the tree or, or you get this phony, uh, phony call. Kids have been doing it forever. There's a fire reported at, uh, you know, 123 ABC street. Well, there's no fire. There's not even a 123 ABC street, but you've got that, that truck out looking for it, trying to put, put out the fire. Um, wh where's our sense of, of, I don't know, decency, our sense of, where do you go with that? Well, uh, you know, first of all, some of the things you mentioned, I mean, if you think about it, you know, and you look at it from, from a, from the outside looking in, right? Because it's hard to see past the forest when you're in the trees, but when you're out of the trees, you can see stuff. It's almost like a form of brainwashing, yeah. right? When you see things over and over and over again, what do they say? It takes 21 days of doing the same thing over and over or stopping the same thing to make a habit. Yeah. So when you consistently see something over and over again and you're told this is what it is mm -hmm. and you have no other point of reference, you know, that's kind of what I, in, in my mind, you know, my opinion, mm -hmm. that's kind of what happens. But you you raised an interesting question when you were talking here and you said, what makes somebody want to do this? And so, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who believes in a higher power, mm -hmm. you know, and Calumet College is a Catholic school and I'm, a, you know, I'm a Catholic. So I'm not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but I try to live my life in some semblance of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's nothing, there's not a greater love than someone who will sacrifice their life for a perfectly good stranger. Right. So, I mean, I know I've, you know, biblical scripture, I haven't quoted it exactly, but it's true. Find me another profession out there where someone will strap on a bullet resistant vest, which means, you know, bulletproof means it stops all the bullets. Bullet resistance means it's not going to stop all the bullets because some of the vests won't stop certain bullets, right? Mm -hmm. So put on a bullet resistant vest, kiss their children goodnight, go out and work from midnight till whatever, you know, 12 to 12 maybe, or 6 to 6, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And in a, in a second, make a decision to give their life for a stranger, someone who never met them, someone who could have been at a party saying, oh, all cops stink, all cops are jerks. Mm -hmm. And now they're faced with a life and death situation. This, per this police officer will respond and put his or her life in between that perfectly good stranger who was just talking horribly about their profession. They would do it like that yeah. in a snap. They would do it in a snap and not even think secondly of it. And there'll be bagpipe bands. I played in a bagpipe band. Yeah, I played police funerals. There'll be a bagpipe band. They'll fold the flag and give it to their family and say, you know, thank you on behalf of a, you know, for your sacrifice, dedicated city, whatever, whatever they're going to say, mm -hmm. you know, and then that's it. Yeah. Then that's it. You know, their name goes on a wall and forever we remember their sacrifice. Those that want to remember. Find me another profession where they do that and get paid what we get paid. <laughs> You know, and also have to have the recall surgeons, brain surgeons, doctors, lawyers, they all have reference books. They have colleagues they can go to. Well, I have this form of cancer I'm treating. Have you? Oh, yeah, sure. Police officers don't have that luxury. We have to have the recall knowledge of those people and make a split second decision. We're taking someone's freedom. We're putting handcuffs on you and taking your freedom. Yeah. One of your basic premises of being an American is freedom. We are taking that away right now because you're breaking a law. You know, or you've broken a law. I'm sorry. You've broken a law. So now we're putting handcuffs on you, and then we have to articulate why on a piece of paper. Then we have to go to court and testify to it, tell the truth, find another profession that has to do that. I challenge anybody to do that and get paid what you get paid yeah. and still do it. So that leads me to another conversation I often have with people, police officers, when I'm trying to pump them up, you know, when I'm giving them the old... 
you know, the old uh, um, Newt Rockney speech. You know, we're going to fight, boys, right? We're going to. So when I give them that speech, I often, I often say to them, you know, find another profession. I do those things. And I also say, you were born to do this job because you're doing it. Because those who come on this job for, you know, if people come out and tell me they come on this job for the benefits and the salary, they're not going to last very long. Because the minute you see, you know, your first dead body in an accident, someone murdered, you know, you go to your first domestic call where, you know, um, you show up and one of the partners, you know, their, their, their face is completely obliterated by the other person. Now you have to take that other person to jail. Then that person fights and the person who called you. <laughs> the person who called you save me is now beating you up because you're taking the boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, whatever right. to jail because they love them. You know, the minute you go through that is the minute you're going to go, you know what? This isn't for me. If you're not born to do this, you're born to do this job. It's in your soul. Find me another profession like that. There's a, there's a, 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 a an old uh, term called a calling, a calling. If you are called to do something, that is what you were born to do, in your words. You're meant to do that. Uh, most jobs, it, it could be as simple as, as a clerk. If you hate orderliness or you hate uh, clerking, you're not born to do that. That's not your calling. Right. When you come into something, ministry, uh, any kind of, of law enforcement or first responder. Service. Service, service professions. Yeah, service professions. If you're not called to do that, there isn't any amount of money. Could I do, you know, could I do that for a million dollars a day, assuming I didn't get shot and killed the first day? Uh, yeah, I'm, I might do it a few days, a couple days, maybe, maybe, maybe one. Mm. But you know what? At, at the end of that, I'm going to say, man, I'm sure glad I made a million bucks today because I ain't doing this no more. <laughs> right. And that's where most people, I think, would be. Um Thank God we do have people that that are are prone to that. Like you, I, now unlike you, I'm not a Catholic, and in full disclosure, I teach at Calumet College as well. And there's going to be more about that coming up in uh, in future future programs. But um, my field is cybersecurity. In that arena, and yes, it can be life or death. It isn't usually. It's usually people stealing your money or stealing somebody's money. But it, but it's it's kind of disengaged. Crooks steal through the internet all the time, literally all the time. But they don't get to know the victim. They don't even get to see the victim most of the time. There's stalkers and there's people that do other stuff. But most of the time, it's a it's a crime of of money. That's mm-hmm. all they want is money. They they don't care about the individual. They don't care who they steal the money from or, or the identity or anything else. They don't care what happens to them because they don't know them. It's different. And of course, when I go after them, when I investigate things, when I do things like that, I don't get to know them. I don't, I don't know hackers, but on the black hat hackers, I, I do know white hat hackers, but I, I, you know, I don't get involved with the bad guys, but it's not the same for a cop. It's not the same for uh, for an, an individual, and I'll go with firefighters on this, or or healthcare folks, the ambulance driver, the EMT. You know, those guys see life and death up close. They see that woman who's got the face that now looks like it's been, uh, you know, used as a punching bag. Mm-hmm. It, it they see that stuff and they deal with it, and they have to deal with not just the trauma, but with the the drama that goes along with it. I'm going to ask you to uh, to think about where we need to go, what we need to do. I always like to end on a positive note, and I think we can find one here, uh, but I need to do identification first. So with that, uh, I'm going to pause uh, for a moment and tell folks you're listening or watching the Information Playground. If you're catching us on radio, you're probably doing it on WVLP. I hope you're streaming us from the website. That's WVLP.org. Doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in your car or anyplace else. If uh, if you're any place on the planet, you can get the show uh, or the program Monday mornings from eight to nine central time or Friday afternoons from one to two on WVLP.org. 
if you are local, by all means, tune us in on your FM dial 103.1 FM. If you need to listen to us or want to listen to us on demand, uh, check us out on podcast. Uh, and you can do that through any of them that I'm, I'm aware of. Uh, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, probably the top three, but any of them I'm aware of, look for The Information Playground. That's the name of the radio program. That's the name of the channel on podcast, as well as the channel on YouTube. So The Information uh, uh, Playground. My name is Ron Bush. I own Ron Bush Consulting, and we're a cybersecurity company. Um, I've got a book on uh, 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 Amazon, uh, which I forgot to bring with me this morning, so I can't show you, but it's called Staying safe in a very dangerous world. If, you, uh, if you're interested, check that out on Amazon, electronically or a paperback version. Our guest today is a very special guest, uh, is Danny McGuire. He's a, he's a, a, I don't know that you say former police officer because once you are, you, I guess you always are. It's kind of like a Marine. You don't say an ex-Marine. You say a, a, an active Marine or, or you just say a Marine, I guess. I, I'm not sure where to go with that, but uh, but right now uh, for today, we're talking to you as the program director for public safety management and public safety administration for Calumet College of St. Joseph. It's a it's a great little Catholic uh, college. It's a small private school up in Whiting, Indiana. Uh, they do a great job, uh, business degrees, and uh, hopefully soon we'll have a cybersecurity degree, which is uh, how you and I will be working a little closer together then. I'm giving a little of that secret awaits coming up in future programs, but uh, it's hard not to talk about it. Danny, talk to us about, we've talked about how you got into it. We've talked about where things are at now. We've got uh, roughly a little over 20 minutes left in the program. Let's, let's talk about some positive things. What can people do? What can, what can individuals do? If they're in the, the police force or in law enforcement now or in first responder in any capacity, they can certainly become a, a student in your program. Um, let's talk about what people can accomplish when they go through any of your, your degrees and you've got both graduate and undergraduate degrees available. What can they hope to do when they come out of that? Well, you know, um, as I said earlier, most of them go back to school for promotion, right? So that can help you within your department. Some departments require, um, you know, collegiate education to get the job in general. And then to move up the ladder, you need further education. Um, some people do it to, you know, get education for themselves. Um, so I, if I may speak to my own, you know, my own I, I, you know, I have an adult son with special needs, right? I'm his guardian. So um, that was a rough road. You know, um, life has always presented challenges and I've seen some of the most negative things. There's things I'll never be able to erase from my brain that I've seen. No matter how much therapy I do, you know, no matter how many times I go to a therapist, it just, it doesn't go away. Um, the sights, the smells, um, you know, and, you know, I, I'm a, I, you know, self-disclosure, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Right. So I've, I've spent my time in trying to drink those things away and I couldn't and a lot of negativity. So what did work for me was going back to school. That was like a positive thing for me. It occupied my brain and kept me off of those things, kept me out of a, a bar, kept me um, moving in a positive direction, education. So I think that sometimes education is key and having the faculty I have who have, again, been hit with the frying pan. Right. They can lend a student some very important things that not only affect them in the academic world, but also in the real life. And, you know, not just for police officers, any public safety professional, any person that has some sort of, you know, I've had people in the master's program now that are security professionals or work for uh, one of the oil companies, you know, in, in uh, gas companies in Northwest Indiana that uh, they work in, in the, uh, the security department. So they're, they're going back to school to get a master's degree. So anybody in the public safety realm, you know, and when I think it's a lot of fulfillment and I think it's a lot of education and a lot of getting a lot of experience from someone who's been there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a benefit. Um, one of the things I, you know, I can say from a mental health standpoint is that, you know, particularly to public safety professionals, mostly law enforcement, though, it seems like, you know, um, suicide is, is 
you know, on the rise in the last five, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that, you know, no one wants to, everyone wants to be loved, right? There's the, the pleasure principle, right? Like we avoid pain and we seek pleasure. No one wants to be someone's punching bag. No one wants to go to work and feel like, you know, this is the worst day because someone yelled at me. They threw something at me. They give me the finger. They fought with me. You know, those things take a toll on people. Everyone wants to be loved. You know, there's not anyone out there that says, yeah, I don't care if anyone hates me. If they do say that, they're probably not being completely honest. Um, so it's important that police officers, public safety professionals, anybody who's feeling bad, reach out to somebody, your EAPs, you know, peer support uh, counselors and get therapy. I, I have to talk about that, right? Because that is one of the most negative things that could happen. Um, if someone shoots you or you die in the line of duty in some car accident or you get killed in line of duty, there's bagpipe bands, there's funerals, there's, you know, big, uh, big ceremonies for you and your family. If you kill yourself, there's really nothing. Is it job related? Probably a hundred percent, right? Well, maybe not a hundred percent because it takes resiliency to work through that. And, and sometimes people get to the point, but could it be a driver in your decision to, to do something like that? Sure. Right. Sure. It could be one of the pieces of your life and sometimes a major piece yeah. to put, to put you in a place where, where you feel so much pain on a daily basis that the only way to end the pain is to end your life. Think about that. And when you see so many negative things, is it a driver? Yes. Right. It could be the last straw. Mm-hmm. So it's important that they seek help. I'd like to say in our program uh, at the school, I've spent several times like for, for about a good year there, Ron, <laughs> my class was group therapy. You know, as a therapist, it became group therapy. I, there was w- one class I, I you know, ended the, the class session on Zoom. You know, and I, I thought to myself, I don't think we covered one academic module today. And we just talked about, you know, how people are feeling right now. You know, I've worked 15 hour days, 20 days in a row. I haven't seen my kids. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And when people are tired, they make the most poor decisions ever, yeah. you know. So that day I said, okay, this is going to be a mental health day. Right. We're going to sit here and I'm just going to let people talk. And you handle like a group therapy, kind of like almost, uh, you know, any kind of self-help meeting, you know, where people went around the room and talked about how they felt. And, you know, some of the things, you know, I had to reframe some of the some of the thought processes. there, like, OK, well, you're looking at it from this standpoint. But what I hear is this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it, walking into our program gives them a lot. You become part of a family. You know, we have thousands of alums. This program has been around for 25 years. You know, not just Chicago, but all the suburbs, Northwest Indiana, the, you know, suburbs in Illinois. Um, we have approximately 2,000, maybe more, alumni of our programs. So we have a lot of outreach out there. And what you get in our program goes far more than just an academic setting. You get, you become part of a family. Yeah. And everyone... I, I'm still, I still get calls from students that I taught 14 years ago, you know, when I was teaching uh, terrorism in the undergraduate program, you know, I still have people that text me, you know, and, and talk to me or call me, you know, um, so that's, that's a pretty cool thing for me to be able to be that person who made a difference in their life. And I think Calumet College, well, I know Calumet College makes a difference in people's life because it saved mine. It was probably the most horrible time of my life. My son was diagnosed with autism. Um, he and, you know, my children's mom and I were splitting up. Um, it, it was just a terrible, terrible time. And Calumet College saved my life. Yeah, It did. 100%. I said that in my interview with the president, Amy, when I took the job here in 2018. Uh, I said it with the former vice president of academic affairs, Ginger Rodriguez. I told them both. This place saved my life, so I have to give back to you. Excellent. Both of those, uh, Ginger has not been on the program. Dr. Amy McCormick has. So listeners can go back and, or viewers can go back and, uh, and find, uh, find programs with her on there. And I, you know, I recognize what you say. It's the beauty of teaching. I have students from my first year of teaching, which is, uh, which is seven, eight years ago. Um, they contact me, stay in touch with me. Um, it is, uh, I mean, there's a, 
every every job has its stress and every job has its uh, its difficulties. That's why they pay you to do it, you know. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, uh, there's I won't say most of them have, but the ones that I do do have uh, satisfaction in, and that's a sense of accomplishment in teaching. It's your students that uh, you know you made an impact, had an influence on them, and now they call you back. Uh, uh, to let you know, gee, I'm doing this, or I, I've got this issue. What do you? What would you do, Doctor uh, uh, Doctor McGuire? Or what would you do, Professor Bush? Or you know, what do you think? I mean, that doesn't that doesn't happen to to in too many things. So there's a, no, it, a lot of joy there. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I think I think our you know again my opinion right. Um, I think that. You know, I, I have adult children, you know, I have neurotypical children and I have my special guy and I, you know, I look at my special guy and I think of the innocence that he has. He doesn't understand discrimination. He doesn't understand hate. He doesn't understand these things. So my neurotypical children, you know, when I listen to them talk, I think, goodness, you are selfish. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, wow, what happened? You know? Yeah. And I think that sometimes in, in society, people, you know, what's in it? I, I've, I've heard people say to me, like, what's in it for me? And I go, what's in it for you? Like, really? I, I mean, are, are we at that point right now? And, and it just a bunch of things go through my head. Like you've never been part of an athletic team, right? Or you've never you've never been hit with a frying pan, right? Um, of course, it's figuratively, right? It's not literally getting hit with a frying pan, right? So yeah, for, those, for those of us that are younger and haven't heard the, the phrase, out of the frying pan into the fire, right. you're bending that a little bit. You right. hit with the frying pan. That's right. The- exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I've spent my entire life in service to people I don't even know, you know, and the gratification for me always was when I helped somebody, when I, when I did something that, ended up helping somebody in the long run, whether it was a colleague, whether it was a person on the street with a flat tire, you helped change a tire, whatever, whatever it was, you know, was that, that gave me the motivation to continue to do it. The smile on someone's face or, you know, the hug someone gave you for helping them, you know, or getting somebody to a place where they, um, where they want to be or need to be as a student, you know, students in the program saying, Hey, I really want to be the chief of police in my suburban agency. And I'm, you know, right now I'm in this, um, you know, I think this master's degree is going to help me. And then they call me two years later and go, Hey, I'm the chief, you know, for me, that's everything like that. That is, that is far worth more than any monetary value you can give me. You, you, you could give me a million bucks, but that person achieving their goals. And I had some sort of help in that, that to me is everything or somebody who comes to me in the worst, you know, they're drinking, they're ha- a horrible drinker, they're, they're, they're agony, they're misery, they're depressed, they're horrible. And then six months later, they're sober and they're doing well and they're good at school. They're good at work, whatever it may be. For me, that that's like, I, you know, of course you got to pay the bills, but you know, that person's success and having part in that for me is everything, you know? And I think when I hear people talk selfishly, I think, good, good, good gravy. You know, like you need some, you need some help because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when we leave this place, you know, I, I had this conversation with a friend of mine recently, you know, cause I'm getting older. We're both getting older. And, uh, you know, we were talking about an individual who was a bit selfish. And I said, you know, I look at it from this perspective. When I go to someone's wake, and I hate to be morbid, right? I go to someone's wake and I have to wait two hours just to get in the door. I mean, pre-COVID, right? You wait two hours to get in the door, you know, and there's, there's, there's like 200, 300 people in there. Everyone's talking. Then you go to someone's wake and there's like five people there. Yeah. You know, it's like, and then you look at the person, you really think like, you know, wow, is this just a lack of interest or is it, you know, this person lived their life in a fashion that put them in this role, you know, and I think when my day comes, you know, I want a lot of people there. I want people to say, Danny, help me, Yeah. you know, Danny, help me, Danny, help me get to where I want to be. And I think that 99% 
speaking for law enforcement, all think that way. They are there to help people. They're not there to take advantage of a situation or for a glorious paycheck because it's not there. Let me tell you, it's not there. But they're there to help people. They really are. I, I appreciate all that you just said. We, we do live in the age of the selfie. But, you know, selfishness didn't start this, this generation or with the, uh, with the phone to take, smartphone to take selfies. And quoted Jesus earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there is no greater, uh, no greater thing a man can do than to lay down his life for a friend. I think it's the NIV version. Right. No greater love, I think, Ron. No greater yes. love. Yeah, I said thing. You're exactly yeah. right. No greater love. You're exactly right. Um, so it it just it it amazes me how some folks want that. They want what you're saying. They want to have the. Uh, the funeral, because we all know that U-Hauls don't don't attend funerals. People don't have them following them to the grave. Mm-hmm. And we also know that that uh, when <laughs> when you when you do go, um, you know, it, most of us want something nice said. You know, uh, there's jokes about uh, uh, pastors who who get up to uh, to uh, you know say something and. You know, if, if, at, a, at a funeral, and if the nicest thing you can say is, well, he's dead, right, I mean, right. that's, that's, that's not what you want to hear. That's not no. what you want it to be. We, no. we want it to be that we, we did something for someone. We, we achieved something. And it's for others. It's not, you know, if all we did was make ourselves rich, well, I mean, what value is there in that? You're leaving can't, money here. Can't, can't take it with you. The book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs both cover that over and over and over. Uh, it just, there's no, and they were both written by the guy who was at the time the wealthiest guy on the planet, Yeah, you know, King Solomon. So it just, um, that's not where, where folks but want to be. But then in order to, to have that kind of a, of a eulogy or have that kind of a memory with people, you have to do something. Sure. You have to do something for somebody else. It can't just be, oh, I want people to say something nice about me or I want people to appreciate me. We have to do something that they appreciate. Absolutely. You can't just be in it for yourself. You've got to be in it for others. You've got to help others. And I think that's where sometimes it gets lost. There's a disconnect between folks that, you know, they they want the good stuff, but they really don't want to work for it or they don't want to do what's necessary to get it. Uh, I'm reminded that you, folks that are old enough to remember Art Linkletter probably aren't listening to this, but Art Linkletter used to be on TV and he, he had several programs back in the day when TV was still young. And uh, one of them was Kids Say the Darndest Things. Right. And I, I remember a, a little five-year-old that was on that, that show Art Linkletter would always ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this kid said, I want to be philanthropist. Five-year-old he stumbled over the term philanthropist, but he, you know, he made it clear. And he, you know, I'm reminded of that. Some people are much older than five, but just like that little kid, they don't realize what goes along with it. You have to have money in order to give it away. <laughs> right. And, and you have to have done something in order right. to be appreciated for it. Correct. And so um, we live in a time where, Sometimes that whole message doesn't get delivered or it doesn't get received. Maybe it gets delivered, but people don't listen except for that part they want to hear. Well, that's, I think you bring up some valid points, right? It's they, they, it's what they want to hear. You know, I, it's, you know, I'm a member of an organization, a musical organization, a bagpipe band, and there's several different people. It's all civilians. I've been part of police bagpipe bands and stuff, and I'm in band. It's all civilian competitive. And, you know, there's younger people in the band who, you know, I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And it's like, okay, you know, it took me, I'm 50 years old, you know, yes, I have a bachelor's, three masters and a doctor, but you know how long that took and how hard I had to work and all, you know, all the things you know, uh, how hard it was to raise three children, go to school, do these things. I mean, it was, you know, this was hard, you know, I mean, it wasn't easy. It's not like it's easy. It may appear like, oh yeah, you know, but it's, it's not. So the immediate gratification, I think is what 
the word I'm looking for and what we're talking about here is the need for immediate gratification is there. And that's not, you know, <clears throat> I taught at a traditional college um, in the city of Chicago and I taught in a criminal justice program. And it was all, you know, your traditional students between 18 and 25 years old going to get a bachelor's in criminal justice. And they all wanted to be, I want to be a CSI. I want to be a, a homicide detective. I want to be a profiler. And I'm like, here's the balloon. Here's the pin pop. You know, th let me, let me break that for you right now, because uh -huh. it's, you know, it, you're not going to get on the job. You're going to have to do road patrol. I had a, I had a person call me once when I was on the, you know, uh, working SWAT support on the SWAT team uh, from another police agency. He's like, yeah, I want to get on there right away. I want to be a SWAT. Per I don't want to do road patrol. I'm like, well, I, you know, I've got bad news for you. You're going to have to get on Chicago, do a certain amount of time of patrol before you could try out for the SWAT team. He's like, well, I should go on there automatically because I was, uh, you know, a special forces guy and I did this and that. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but that's not how the rules work here, you yeah. know? Um, so that need for immediate gratification sometimes is, it, you know, supersedes the work ethic, right? Yeah. So like, it, you know, my dad always said, you know, and, and it's, speculative who said this quote but he's like you know what i'm a really lucky guy the harder i work the luckier i get yeah <laughs> you know, and, and my dad right my dad always says that right so it, it stands true right so i'll tell people you know if you put a little sweat equity in this right it's it's going to pay a dividend right but if you if you if you think that because you do something really good that it should be done you know uh immediately like the kids at the college going you know, I want to be a CSI. I'm like, I got like you watch TV, right? Yeah. I, Cause that's where you're getting this from. And there's nothing yeah. like that. We have nothing like that. <laughs> nothing. And they're oh, really, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I want to be a homicide detective. Well, this is how it works. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to go to Chicago, take the test, go to police Academy, work in patrol, then take the test for detective, pass that, end up on the list, get promoted off the list. And then may, you're, you're not going to get homicide. You might not get homicide right away. You might get youth. Yeah. I don't want that. Well, you're going to have to. It's called paying your dues. Yes. Yes. Right? So we've kind of skipped over that part in the last 20, 30 years. I, th I think so. I used to joke about how, uh, you know, I, uh, I pace in front of the microwave sometimes. You know, it used to, I don't know how long the potato thinks, but I, it takes to cook. But I say it's a half hour, an hour in the oven, five minutes in the microwave. You know, I, I, it's the queen's one. I want it all and I want it now. Right. You know, it's, but it, it life doesn't work that way. It, it really right. doesn't. Well, I mean, you know, you, this is the information playground, your show, right? So information <laughs> is readily accessible. What did we do this morning before the show? We talk, we were talking about statistics about something and we just Googled it. Yeah. That, that didn't happen, you know, in 1992. Like I tell people all the time, they're talking about, oh, my phone sucks. I'm like your phone, you know, what my first cell phone was in a bag and I could probably hit somebody over the head with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was in a bag with a huge yeah. antenna. I was probably, you know, I probably, you'd probably give myself cancer with this antenna, <laughs> you know, the size of it and carried around in a bag. And I only had like 15 minutes. And then after that, it was like $200 a minute. You know, yeah. of course I'm exaggerating, but they're like, really? I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you got this and like, you're, you're mad. Your phone's not working fast. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like immediate, we've created that society with the luxury of information and technology. Yeah. No, you're a reader just like I am. Uh, there's a, there's an excellent book called the cyber effect by a Dr. Mary. I think her last name is Aiken, A I K E N. She's a, uh, a PhD out of uh, great Britain. And she's talked, she talks in there about how the internet has affected all of us. There's good off the internet, don't get me wrong. But, sure. But, um, but you know, it, it, it talks about how an awful lot of things just become normative. If you were before the internet, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, if you were deviant in your behavior, um, you probably didn't fit in in town, you know? you had to act a certain way to just to get along. Mm -hmm. But now on the internet, you find other people that have that same deviant behavior and you become part of a group. And that behavior becomes somewhat normative. Normalized. Normalized because, right? gosh, there's 50 of us or 100 or 1,000 of us and we all think the same way. That takes us into a whole new area that nobody's thought about. Nobody 
nobody's given any thought to what do we do with that? What do we do with people that uh, think in ways that are that are bad for for society? There's always been that element, but they weren't connected. They weren't connected into a group. And now we've got to deal with that because those groups keep getting bigger. Whether we're talking cyber criminals or we're talking other types of criminals or we're just talking deviant behavior, which usually leads to criminality um, or criminal behavior. Well, let's, uh, we've got three, four minutes. What should I have asked you that I didn't? What are final thoughts on your heart? Uh, uh, the last, I give you next to the last word because I have to wind it up and uh, say who you are. But you'll get next to the last word. What's the last thing that, that you want to get across? The last thing I want to get across, well, I appreciate that. That's great. I, I It really is. And the last thing I want to get across to your listeners and people who will listen to this is that I want them to know that public safety professionals, again, I, I, ha I have to drive this home, right? They are willing to risk their life for you. Now that, you know, in the age of Call of Duty and video games where you get six or seven lives, oh, I got zapped. So, you know, my guy just comes back resurrected as, you know, whatever. That That's not real life, right? You have one life, one life. And these people, firefighters, police officers, emergency service workers, paramedics, whatever, they're willing to sacrifice their life for you. Now I can speak from a police officer perspective. Firefighters, brave, go in the burning building, save families. God bless them. Mm -hmm. Paramedics, saving lives. People with addictions, they're, you know, opiate, you know, saving lives. Police officers I want to speak about, right? Because that's my, my point of reference. Right. Again, they're putting on a vest. They're going out there every day and putting themselves between the most evil things you've ever seen. And I've seen them. I've seen them. You know, I joke with my friends, I've seen the devil. I really have, right? And uh, people say there's no devil. Like, oh, he, he, there's a devil because I've seen it. And we are willing to put our lives in between you and the devil and not even think secondly of it. Not, not even, even... <laughs> You know, even someone who says I come on the job for the benefits, you know, the great dental plan and, you know, the the high salary, which, you know, both neither, neither one exists, yeah. you know, like a high salary and the dental plans, you know, okay. Right, right. Um, even that person is willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice for you. They're willing to come to your house. If someone breaks in your house armed and they want to steal all your stuff, you call the police, they will come there and get in a gun battle with somebody who's shooting at them trying to kill them mm -hmm. you know because of you so when you see things out there that are reported remember this there are several hundreds of thousand law enforcement agents in in the land you know from federal to corrections to everything you know i don't know the exact number so i don't want to misspeak right but there's several hundred thousand and if you take all the incidents of corruption or, you know, police brutality or things like that, and you do, you do the math, you know, it's not a very high percentage of people are corrupt in this, in this business of police work. And again, they're willing to sacrifice their life for you, no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, size, shape, color whatever ethnicity they're willing to give up their life for you to make sure you're safe that's the point i want to drive home they're human and to flip that switch on a daily basis to be able to go from you know mother father whatever your role in life is having these life roles sister brother son daughter whatever you may be and then going to work and in a second have to flip a switch to save their own life or someone else's life, they will do it. They will do it for you. And there's no greater love. Excellent. Excellent. If folks want to contact you, Danny, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Best way is email. Um, my email is dmcguire, and that's D-M-C-G-U-I-R-E at ccsj.edu. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, it's been it's been great getting to discuss this with you, and I hope you'll come back. 
Absolutely. Thank you. I, I love the opportunity. Thanks, Ron. I always love talking to Ron on campus. He already disclosed that he works at Cal College, and whenever I see his office door open, it's the best day of my life at that school. Oh, you are so. very kind and gracious. Thank you. But it's also the same for me. So, Thanks. folks, thank you for being with us today. You've been listening to the Information Playground or viewing us. I hope you've been catching us on WVLP. WVLP is a great community station. Uh, check them out at WVLP.org. Uh, you can be part of that. You can be part of the community and give back just as they do. Uh, you can support it. You can underwrite this program. Uh, you can underwrite other programs on the radio station. Uh, after that, if you're wanting to find us on demand, check us out, The Information Playground on podcast or YouTube video. Um, I'm Ron Bush. Uh, best way to catch me is Ron at ronbushconsulting.com. I thank you for, for being with us and for staying with us, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Take care. Thanks, Ron. Thank you.